I really appreciate everybody staying and not going on to Center Grove. Uh, but had you had you gone, I would have understood that. No, I'm just joking, and I'm not a preacher, as I told Eddie before. I'm not. I never have been, and probably never will be. But I sincerely appreciate the elders and the members giving me an opportunity to try to bring a lesson, and hopefully I, that you will find this somewhat helpful in your lives. The day before tomorrow, if you ask most people what that is, they'd say, that's today. Well, really it is. But uh, I'd like for us to look at the day before tomorrow in just a little bit different viewpoint. It's Christmas Eve. There's excitement in the air, not only just for the children, but for the adults, too, if they would really admit it. Most of them won't admit it, but they're about as excited as, as the kids are also. And their thought is, will tomorrow ever come? You know, we're constantly planning for tomorrow, for the next day, the next week, next month, next year, five years from now, ten years from now. We're all looking and planning for tomorrow. And I bet if I could ask everyone in here, some of you would tell me you've already bought Halloween candy for the kids. Some of you are already starting to plan your Thanksgiving dinner. And I know some of you have already even bought Christmas gifts for this year. You're thinking ahead. You're planning ahead. And you know, if you're 50 and older and still working like I am, you've been thinking about retirement and when you can retire. So we're all thinking toward that future day. Every night when we go home, we're starting to settle down in the evening. We're getting ready for bed. What's one of the things that goes through your mind? What have I got to do tomorrow? Everything we do is usually centered around what's happening tomorrow. But let's take a look at the day before tomorrow for a few folks. The day before. Adam and Eve enjoyed all the beauty and splendor that God had provided for them. Their world was a garden of paradise. They walked and talked with God on a daily basis. The next day, after they had confessed to God what they had done, Genesis 3, starting in verse 16, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception." In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you and you shall eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. The day before, living in paradise. The day after, pain, suffering, and death. Daniel. He was appointed one of three governors by King Darius over the whole kingdom. Daniel distinguished himself from everybody else because of his excellent spirit. But as fate happens, 
Jealousy set in by all the other governors, and they plotted against him. They had King Darius sign a royal decree that anyone calling on any god or any man for 30 days would be cast in the den of lions. Even though Daniel knew this, he went to his home, opened his windows, and he knelt and prayed three times a day just like he had from the days of his youth. And he prayed to God. He didn't back down. The plot the men had worked together, it worked. They brought Daniel before the king, and Daniel was cast into the den of lions. Now, God did send his angel, and he shut the mouth of the lion so Daniel wouldn't be harmed, but the day before, Daniel held a great place and position in the kingdom. The next day, he was in a den of lions. The day before, Pharaoh and all of Egypt had suffered nine plagues. All this had been brought on the land, but Pharaoh's heart was still hard. He refused to let the Israelites go. He felt he was so in control of Egypt that Moses nor God, neither one, could tell him what to do. He was the boss. Moses told Pharaoh, heed the warning of the Lord. Because he said, if you don't, the firstborn will die at midnight. In Genesis 12, starting in verse 29, And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive, who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. The day before, a mighty Pharaoh and a father. The day after, his son was dead. The day before, Jonah was a faithful prophet of the Lord. Jonah had no idea what his life was going to happen and what it was going to be like. God came to Jonah and told him, I want you to go to Nineveh and cry out against it. Jonah chose not to obey the Lord, but instead to flee from his presence. <clears throat> so the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and the ship was about to be broken. The men threw Jonah overboard, and he was swallowed by a great fish, and he remained there three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. Now afterwards, Jonah did, he prayed to God, and he repented, and God returned him to dry land, and he instructed him again to go to Nineveh. This time Jonah did as God had instructed, and Nineveh turned from their evil ways, and they were spared from perishing. But the day before, Jonah was a great prophet for the Lord. The next day, he was in the belly of a fish. The day before, Barnabas, he sat by the side of the road begging as usual because Barnabas was blind. And because of his blindness, he was unable to work and care for himself to provide what he needed. The next day, Jesus and a great multitude went out of Jericho. And in Mark 10, starting in verse 47, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. 
Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight, and he followed Jesus on the road. The day before, the man was blind. The next day, he received his sight. <clears throat> the day before, a rich man had bountiful crops, and his yield was plentiful. He was so proud of all of his accomplishments and what he had been able to do, and he decided to tear down all of his barns and build bigger ones so he could store all of his crops. He was so happy because he had laid up goods for many years to come. And he said, let's take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But in Luke 12, starting in verse 20, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will all these things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The day before, riches on earth. The next day, death. The day before, ten men lived in a village and stood afar off from all the others because of their disease of leprosy. And you know, there was no doubt that the quality of life they had was very poor. The next day, Jesus entered the village, and in Luke 17, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, and re he returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down at his face, at his feet, and giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. The day before, a leper. The next day, he was cleansed. The day before, Two criminals had been captured, and they had been sentenced to die by crucifixion. The next day, they were crucified with the Lord Jesus crucified between them. They had no idea that he would be there. Luke 23, starting in verse 39. Then one of the criminals who hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you're Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. 
The day before, a criminal sentenced to death. The next day, living with Jesus in paradise. All right, let's fast forward a few hundred years. Some of you may have heard of this guy. I doubt most of you have. I'd never heard of him until I got reading. Ray Bayer. He was a Navy petty officer. He had joined the Navy because he was looking for excitement. On Saturday, he had been stationed at Midway Island and was returning to his next base, and he was so happy to be, to be moving because he knew it was going to be a time that he could rest and relax. He returned to his new base on Saturday, December the 6th, 1941. And he was so excited to be at Pearl Harbor because he knew the next day was Sunday, he could go to church, and he could have the rest of the day to rest and relax. The next morning, December the 7th, 1941, he awoke to the sounds of war and the attack that changed the world. The day before, just a normal day of travel. The next day, he was fighting for his life in a world war. The day before, August 1st, 2011, was a normal day of work. A busy day, but a normal day. This was a day for my daughter, Cynthia. The next day, August the 2nd, went to work around 5 p.m. on her way home. As she crossed the street, she was hit by a truck. The day before was just a normal day of work. The next day, she was in an accident that changed her life. Now, all of you have been in school at some point, and some of you still are. I want you to think back to a time you were in school. The day before, the teacher comes in and gives you an assignment. Just a, a reading assignment, nothing big, just normal homework. The next day, you come into class, you sit down at your desk, and the first thing the teacher says, take out a piece of paper, we're going to have a quiz. The day before, a normal assignment. The next day, either regrets or happiness. That was your choice to make. The day before, Tuesday, October the 1st, 2013. 14 people from North Carolina had traveled to Gatlinburg for a fun, enjoyable time. The next day, October the 2nd, on their way home, because of a terrible accident, eight people were dead. The day before, time of enjoyment. The next day, death. Tim McGraw had a hit song a few years back live like you were dying. The song was about a man who had found out he was dying and thought of all the things he wanted to do. His main thoughts were thrill-seeking. And what did he do? He went skydiving. He went Rocky Mountain climbing. And he rode a bull for 2.8 seconds named Fu Manchu. The thrills of his life. But he, the song did go on to say that after that, he did begin to speak kinder to love more, to give forgiveness, and finally, he read the good book. 
I searched on the internet for a little bit and looked for the question, what would you do if you only had one day left to live? And the responses were absolutely astonishing. But more than anything else, they were eye-opening. Most of the answers were thrill seekers. They would say they'd do everything they could to get that last moment of excitement in. A lot of them were, wanted to be wild and crazy. A few said they wanted to eat everything they could get their hands on because they didn't have to worry about gaining weight. A few said they wanted to do everything they've always wanted to do but was afraid to because they didn't want to suffer the punishment. Now they could because they wouldn't be here tomorrow to suffer the punishment. Some of them said they wanted to spend time with family and friends. And occasionally, just occasionally, you would read someone said, I want to make sure my life is right with Christ and spend time in prayer. The sad thing is, it was such a small percentage of the people that even were concerned about eternal life. You know, almost every day, we open the paper and we read where someone's home or a business had been broken into and items stolen. You know, if the homeowners had known the day that thief was going to be there, they wouldn't have left things unprotected and been gone. As they're reading in Matthew 24, 42 through 44, it says, Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour the Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. <clears throat> I've always enjoyed the Indiana Jones movies. I don't know, some of you have seen them, you may not have, but they're full of excitement and adventure. I've always enjoyed those. And one of the movies, The Last Crusade, has got, has got a part that it has a lot of meaning to it. At the very end, as they went into this big cavern in, a, in this cave, there was an old knight protecting a group of ancient cubs. And of course, they say the knight was seven or 800 years old, but you know they have to dramatize it for the movie. But the knight was protecting these cubs. One of the cups was to believed to be the cup that Jesus drank from that gave eternal life. When the bad guy come in, he wanted that cup to give eternal life. So he chose a cup, and he chose it based on economic value. He chose a cup that was full of gold and silver and precious gems. With that choice, he lost his life. The knight quietly turned around and said, he chose poorly. Indiana Jones, of course, had to make his choice, and he chose a cup based on what a carpenter would have used, which saved his father's life. The knight said he chose wisely. You know, we all make choices every day that we have to deal with, and the day's going to come. We're going to stand before God on that judgment day, and we're going to have to give an account for all the choices that we made on this earth. When we stand before him, will we hear the, him say, you chose poorly or you chose wisely? Revelations 22:14 says, Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. 
No one knows what tomorrow holds. In Proverbs 27, 1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. You know, as we've seen here, there was happiness. There's been sadness. There was life. And there was death. Is your soul worth taking a chance? Are you making those right choices? Do we live our life each day like we were dying? If we do, we would love deeper, speak sweeter, give forgiveness when it needs to be forgiven. But most importantly, we would make sure that our lives are right with God. Today is the day before. You're either ready as a faithful Christian or you're not and you will be lost. The Apostle Paul, he didn't say that he was almost ready. In 2 Timothy 4, starting verse 7, it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Are you ready? Don't take a chance that there is a tomorrow. The invitation song we're going to sing in just a minute, it says, Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. You know, we've looked at some, some folks in history that the day before was a normal day, was a great day. The day after, their lives changed forever. Some for the good, some for the bad, and some received death. We're all going to have the day before we die. It may be tomorrow. It may be next month, next year. We don't know. But we're all going to be the day before. And when that day comes, let's don't have anything lacking. Let's don't have any ill will with family and friends and things that we've done. But more importantly, let's don't have anything lacking with the Lord. Let's make sure that we are right with him. Because the day after will be too late. There is no more changing. If you're not ready today, now is the time. If you've not ever put Christ on as your Savior, now's the time. Tomorrow may be too late. If you've made choices in your life that has brought sin into your life, now is the time for forgiveness. Tomorrow may be too late. If any of you have a need, would you come together as we stand and sing?